Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. Wait, what? Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. How did it fire? We'll have to wait to find out because uh, Alec Baldwin Unscripted, produced by George Stephanopoulos Productions, airs in a one-hour primetime special event on Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central on ABC and streams on Hulu later that evening. Yay! And that's going to air, I guess... Uh, before, well, yeah, it will air before a special two hour 2020 that's going to delve into the events ahead of the deadly shooting on the set of rust and the pending investigation into what went wrong. I mean, we know what happened and what went wrong. We just don't know exactly how we got there. The investigation is ongoing. So I, we, we know that Alec is going to cry in the interview, we know that's going to happen. He said, uh, I, how I, uh, how a live bullet got into the set of his film rust. He has no idea. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's someone else's fault. Oh, <laughs> okay. I feel like, I feel like that's just a common theme of this show throughout these stories that we talk about every day. (laughs) I mean, okay, so the story comes out that this lady, Halna Hutchins, uh, who was shot and killed, and director Joel Souza, who was wounded at the uh, Bonanza Creek Ranch near Santa Fe, New Mexico, when uh, the gun discharged so i would never put alec baldwin i would never point a gun at anyone and pull the trigger at them never well the trigger wasn't pulled i didn't pull the trigger oh okay (laughs) oh okay welcome welcome to chewing the fat Obviously, the Rust investigation is still ongoing. Uh, I'm surprised, uh, actually. I thought it would go a lot faster and they'd get this thing wrapped up, but they are really uh, looking like they're really delving into this case to find out exactly what the heck happened. So more information on that will definitely come out, where the ammo came from and who actually pulled the trigger since Alex said it wasn't him. It was a mystery fire. Okay, no problem. So if you have ever had a surgery, and I've had uh, several in my lifetime, uh, I have not had an amputation yet, but uh, (laughs) I don't necessarily want to lose a body part. And just go, I'm going to go on record uh, right now and saying, you know what? I don't want to lose uh, a body part that's needed a limb, a limb. I have actually lost a body part, come to think of it, but... uh, a gallbladder is uh, now missing from me. I don't know where it is. It's out somewhere. I haven't looked for it, but uh, I have had, you know, I've had multiple surgeries on my knees. I've had a shoulder surgery. I've had uh, ear surgery when I was a real little kid, 
But um, this surgery went a little wrong. In Austria, uh, a man came in and he was supposed to have his left leg cut off. And gosh darn it, what happened? Why did you cut the right one off? I, you know, we don't know. It was, you know, an unfortunate mistake. <laughs> so this guy comes in. He's supposed to get his left leg amputated. They cut the wrong one off. I didn't notice it for two days. And then they came in to change the, the wrappings and went, Hey, I thought this was supposed to be the left leg. How come his right leg is gone? Oh my gosh. Did we cut off the wrong leg? Well, we'll have to go back in and cut off the re- the left leg now, won't we? <laughs> uh, wait, you're gonna now you're gonna take the other one? Yeah, well, that was the one we needed to cut off in the first place, so we got to finish that up for you. No, okay, can we do? No, it's gonna go. We gotta go. So the lawsuit happened, obviously, and they went after the clinic. And they said, uh, yeah, we marked the wrong leg. Oh, I'm sorry. Their, their line was, we marked the wrong appendage, you know. And uh, so it was a what? I don't know. Circumstances, this medical error. We've analyzed it in detail. Look, we're shocked. And we're sorry. And, you know, we got the wrong leg of the 82-year-old guy. So what's it to you? And so it's a, it's an unfortunate. It's a sequence of unfortunate circumstances. Really? That's what you're going with? Yes. Yes, we are. Now, the doctor was asked why she marked the wrong leg. I just don't know. Oh, okay. That's the theme. I'm telling you, I may just title darn near every show. (laughs) Oh, okay. We're good then. Yeah, we're fine. So... I just don't know. Me either, Doc. Me either. That's why we're asking. So she has since been moved to a new hospital. And the guy was given, uh, I think, like over $3,000. A whole $3,000. Huh? And the wife, the widow now, who died before the case came to court, they awarded her $5,660. euros. The guy got 2,296 euros. Boy, that sounds good. Now, I will say this, though. The good news for the surgeon, while we moved her to another hospital, half of her fine was suspended. So I don't know if the couple still got all their money or if someone else paid the full fine, just the doc didn't have to pay the full fine. But I mean, when you go in for surgery here in America, anyway, every time, I mean, they, it's by the end of the, uh, appointment prior to surgery, you're sick of repeating what needs to be done to you because they, I mean, it is double, triple, quadruple. And, and by the way, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm, you know what? I'm okay now with being angry of how many times are you going to ask me? Yes, it's my right knee. Yes, it's my left knee. Yes, it's my left shoulder, my right shoulder. Yes, I got it. Because, man, you, if you wake up <laughs> and it takes two days, two days to look down and go, hey, 
That's the wrong leg. Oh, here's a couple thousand. Get out of here. Quit your whining. Hey, by the way, Doc, um, why did you mark the wrong leg? I just don't know. And as long as we're on medical cases, let's go to Eva Toombs. I guess it's Eva. E-V-I-E-T-O-O-M-B-E-S. 20-year-old equestrian show jumper from Lincolnshire has won a case in court because it was she, she sued the doctor who gave birth to her or was her mother's uh, baby doc for wrongful conception. Wait, what? Yeah. Look, so what that she describes her motto in life as find a way, not an excuse. Uh, she writes, I was born with a form of spina bifida, but having a passion in life gives me purpose and direction. Sure. I've won the inspiration young person award at a charity event. Sure. Harry and Meg gave it to me. I'm all about that, except when that whole birth thing comes around. Right? I know. Look, uh, the, the, the doc should have given reasonable advice to my mom about folic acid supplements being taken. Oh, wait, what? Yeah. Um, look, she was pregnant, and uh, if she had taken folic acid, I might not have had spina bifida. Oh, Okay, there it is again. I can't believe it. It's just incredible to me. So she was not advised in accordance with the guidance to take folic acid prior to the conception and for the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. Now, the doc said, I would have told the mother that if she had a good diet, thus good folic acid levels anyway, supplements would be less important, but denied saying they were not necessary. He said, uh, yeah, it's usual practice to tell prospective parents that 400 micrograms should be taken by those preparing for pregnancy and all through their first trimester. But she was not advised about the relationship between folic acid supplementation and the prevention of spina bifida neural tube defects. She Had she been provided with the correct recommended advice, she would have delayed attempts to conceive. Now the doc's saying, hey, when she came and saw me, uh, I didn't even know she was pregnant. She may not have even been pregnant. I told her to go. And then, well, she said on the stand that the doc said, hey, you're you know, in a normal health and uh, you should have a normal, healthy baby and go home and have a lot of sex and good luck. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway. Now, you know, the court uh, said, yeah, they ruled in her favor. And so there's no decision on how much she's going to get. The compensation uh, goes back to court to decide the full amount. Unless, of course, they agree uh, both parties outside of court. So that's what the court wants. Yep, go ahead. Get out of here and go get a settlement and leave me out of it, okay? <laughs> So, all right, uh, no problem. They believe that if, uh, you know, if she would have taken her folic acid, that the conception would have resulted in a normal baby. So the claimant's claim succeeds in liability. Isn't that special? I know. Good for you. Good for you. 
for sure you're an inspiration for a lot of people i don't think anyone should be born with spina bifida but it happens and now we know that uh, while you i mean you're thankful for the life you have but you just won your case because you should never have been born it doesn't good for you again good for you all right let's go to the break room <laughs> i need something cold to drink and i really kind of need today maybe more than coke zero but that's all i'm having i promise oh oh it would be very easy to start drinking and smoking again you know just in the break room all right, so we're in the break room. Do you want some good news or do you want some kind of sad news? I'm I'm sorry, what? All right, well, okay, we'll get to the bad news then. But I got to tell you a couple of good news stories right off the bat, right, here in the break room. So uh, Steve Martin uh, posted that uh, our first day of shooting only murders in the building. We're all happy to be back. So season two. Getting ready to shoot again for Hulu, Martin Short, Selena Gomez, and of course, Steve Martin. And the Daily Host, this is going to be, you're going to, I want you to sit down for this because you're going to want to stand up and cheer. Daily Host Trevor Noah is going to return as the host of the 2022 Grammy Awards, January 31st. I know, I know. Congratulations, Trevor, be great. Although I didn't, I guess I did watch some of it. Last year, the new nominees are out. We've got to break that down. Uh, I'll go through. We'll maybe do that tomorrow. It's just, you know, because you're going to be, I mean, you're just going to be excited about all the about all the Grammy nominations and what's coming through with that. And we've got, we had the Gotham Awards. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of award shows where they're still, you know, patting each other on the back. There's no question about that. So we'll we'll get to that. And especially we've got to get to the Grammy nominations before, you know, January 31st because Trevor is going to be start doing promos for the Grammys. And man, you don't want to know exactly what he's talking about. And, okay, so then we'll go to a little sad news. Who died today? I know, it's just, I, but I just have to tell you, Eddie Mecca died. Uh, and you think wait eddie mecca who is eddie mecca the big ragu (laughs) carmine from the 70s sitcom laverne and shirley you remember you remember the big ragu uh he was 69 years of age he died at his home in newhall california he died saturday we're just finding out about it now and there was no mention of cause of death although his the post was that he died peacefully in his home and uh lenny eddie uh not uh, eddie but uh, michael mckean who played lenny on laverne and shirley said uh a genuinely good guy and purveyor of cheer whenever things got cheerless value these people rest in peace eddie and he was he was born in worcester massachusetts i only, only knew one person from that city now i mean now i know of two but i really didn't know eddie or the big ragu but i used to work with a guy in florida don richards uh, the news director at uh, 970 wfla the mothership he is uh he's left the planet as well but he was from there and i always used to 
We used to make fun of being from Worcester, Massachusetts. <laughs> Don Richards, rest his soul. It's a good man. And I really, I really have to give a tribute to my stepdad, Richard Lewandowski, who just passed away at the end of last week. He was 88. I, you know, I do these who died today segments and there are people that, you know, there's celebrities and stuff, but this guy, I can't, it's been very difficult for me to get through. He was a good man from the far Western end of Nebraska. And he loved my mother when they both got remarried in the early eighties. And it was just, he was a good man. And at some point when I can actually talk about it, (laughs) I will give a tribute to him because he deserves it. And rest in peace, Richard Lewandowski. I'll tell you about him when I can. Okay, just to do some crime headlines and uh, a little bit of uh, in-depthness. Uh, headlines and depthness yeah something like that um as uh, we go uh, around the world here in the u.s and around the world but just these are just headlines just so you know i try some of these crime headlines and military headlines i try to get to just so you know but it's not what this show is really about but we well, it's about crime there's no doubt about that but good crime <laughs> and i've got a great crime story to end this segment and but the rest of this you should just know uh jesse smollett who we talked about going uh uh Smollett, uh going uh to trial in chicago uh for his uh you know maga country attack two or three years ago now who just plead guilty jess we all know you're guilty he won't do it but now we know that he held a dry run i'm sorry reportedly held a dry run ahead of the actual staged hate crime just amazing uh the wakesha wakesha wisconsin parade suspect uh only said one word at his court appearance he was asked if he could hear for this virtual conference and his answer was yes. And then he was, uh, he had given an interview and he said that, uh, he feels like he's being monster demonized. Oh my gosh. That's so sad. I don't think that he can really be monster demonized enough. Six people, uh, have been uh, identified, uh, Jane Coolidge, 52, Tamara Duran, 52, Wilhelm Hospital, 81, Leanna Owen, 71, Virginia Sorensen, 79, and Jackson Sparks, 8. Dozens more were wounded, including several several children. Uh, He's been charged with six counts of first-degree intentional homicide, and he faces life in prison if convicted on all counts. Why this man even has bail, I don't know. But he's being held with $5 million bail. And his next uh, court appearance is January 14th. We have the shooting in Oxford. Uh, There's more details around that. 
officials identified the 15-year-old uh, Ethan Crumley as the shooter. You know, they have brought a terrorism charge against him on top of multiple counts of homicide and assault. Reports suggest he used a pistol purchased by his father the previous Friday. Police have not released a motive as of this writing. He has not given a motive. Those that were identified that he killed were uh, Hannah St. Juliana, 14, 16-year-old Tate Mir, 17-year-old uh, Madison Baldwin, and Justin Schilling. Some of that footage that day at the school was just incredible and uh, just horrific at the same time. We've talked about uh, Peng Shui, the uh, women's tennis star from China. Uh, yeah, the World Tennis Association, I guess they talked to her and uh, they talked to her over video and everything's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, everything is fine. I didn't disappear and get re-educated. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm fine. Oh, okay. We know now the Taliban are executing Afghans and the State Department has been quoted as saying it's deeply concerned. Are you? Aria State Department, where were you when you knew this was going to start happening? Whatever. The Air Force Secretary says, uh, I can't talk. That Afghan thing is such a debacle. And while it seems to have been, you know, it's out of the headline news, it won't be forgotten. I promise you that. It can never be forgotten. This administration deserves every bad piece of information it can about it over that forever. The Air Force Secretary says uh, the U.S. and China are in a hypersonic arms race. And we talked about that when we were surprised about the Chinese uh, hypersonic missiles. And I felt like uh, we, in those interviews, sounded like we didn't know anything about it. But I was hoping that we actually were, you know, a little bit ahead of the curve on the hypersonic missiles. That makes me feel like we are. Uh, while it's not a good thing that we're in that race, we need to be in front of that hypersonic race and not behind. Right? I think uh, I think we do. Australian police uh, recapture three teens. Thank goodness. They escaped COVID quarantine. <laughs> uh, they escaped the compound after a manhunt and they uh, we got we caught them. I'm sure they tested negative, but <laughs> they are not going to leave that quarantine compound. We had to Lock them down. Germany has got another great story about their vax rules as well. And I say great story because it's not really a, a great story that we'll get to. You got uh, the Maxwell trial going on. Uh, she uh, doesn't even have bail. Uh, she didn't uh, run down people in the street of uh, an American city. I know what she's accused of doing is terrible. But we just letting her rot in jail. But uh, the guy in uh, Wisconsin, we still have. He's able to have a five million dollar bail. Seems a little off to me. That's all, though. That's all. And is anything going to happen at all to NBC? Because we find out now that uh, the week that the Kenosha officials released footage proving that their guy had in fact been tailing the jurors and uh it, yeah nbc yeah yeah you know what yeah, yeah we ordered that yeah yeah you know i know we originally said we didn't but we did and we ordered him to stalk the the jury anything gonna come of that or are we just gonna say oh well that was kyle rittenhouse you know that white supremacist that those evil courts 
said was innocent. I'm sorry, not innocent, not guilty. All right, uh, you know, whatever you say. And I think my favorite crime story, at least for sure of the day, uh, in Mexico, gangsters use vehicles to ram into Mexico prison and free nine inmates. That's what's happening in Mexico, baby. So they used a convoy of vehicles, including a truck with armor plating, homemade armor plating, uh huh, to ram their way into a prison before opening fire at guards and rescuing nine inmates. They set vehicles on fire in a plot, they believe, targeting the jail. And the escapees include one of the leaders of the local crime organization known as Pueblos Unidos. Uh, one prison guard and one police officer were injured. I don't think they killed anybody. It doesn't say that any, anyone was murdered. This time, they just broke into the prison. They detonated car bombs outside of the prison, and they blew up some cars when they got in there so they couldn't be followed. The car bombs, uh, according to this article, is rare in Mexico that car bombs are used. But hey, sometimes they're commandeered and torched, you know, to hinder the police and military responses. You know how it goes. The armed group burst into the prison and... You know, they, the vehicles got burned as, as a distraction. That's all. Oh, okay. So the police and National Guard have launched a massive manhunt. Have they? Yeah, that's what they said. Okay. I mean, the new president of Mexico, uh, Andres Manuel Lopez Abrador, uh, he was a big critic of uh, Calderon's uh, use of the military and has, uh, you know, remember he ran... His slogan when he was running for president was hugs, not bullets. How's that working out? How is that working out? Because it sounds like it's not working out really well, but it's a good slogan. Hugs, not bullets. And three quick AI science headlines that we may delve into later deeper for sure. Uh, Scientists say Xenobots. Uh, world's first living robots can reproduce. I'm not sure anything could go wrong with that. Engineers develop ultra compact camera, roughly the size of a grain of salt. The device can used for imaging inside the human body and sensors for microbots and other applications. New machine learning model allows AI to understand complex relationships between objects and approach has applications in how industrial robots navigate their environment. All three of those stories are awesome for mankind, don't you think? It's here. The first case of the Omicron variant of the coronavirus in the United States, detected in California. The patient who had returned from travel to South Africa November 22nd. The strain was first identified in South Africa, and analysis has revealed it's been circulating in Europe as early as mid-November. The variant has around 50 mutations, including more than 30 on the virus spike protein, 
the structure used to connect to human cells. Some of the individual mutations have been linked to decreased protection against general infection. South Africa has seen new cases spike by almost a thousand percent since mid-November. It's unclear whether the variant leads to an increased risk of severe illness or death. We know that they say and claim that it doesn't. Uh, currently available vaccines are being evaluated against the strain. Huh. So that might not work against this strain. Well, we don't know. It's too early uh, to uh, to know. That's why it's being evaluated. 24% of South Africa's population is fully vaccinated. 60% in the U.S. is fully vaccinated. But when you break that down, the high-risk uh, numbers are incredibly high here in the U.S. Sweden has now, it's being reported that they are starting to say, you know what would be good? And I don't know that anyone would have seen this coming. Um, get a chip. Just put the chip in. <laughs> yeah, nobody saw that coming. I mean, Germany has now said that unvaccinated people across the country will soon be excluded from non-essential stores, restaurants, and sports and cultural venues. Uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel, Angela Merkel said that uh, we're going to consider a general vaccine mandate as part of efforts to curb the coronavirus infections. Oh, okay. I thought she left. I thought we were rid of her. They just had a big party for Angela to say goodbye. She's done. Have a nice day. And they were making a big deal out of the music that she picked for her party, which we will get to. But uh, no, she's not gone. Uh, she had the big going away party. And that's what I was talking about. She picked a punk song as one of her three songs, which uh, I may have picked different songs and we'll get to that. But apparently, according to, you know, German rule, she says goodbye. But uh, we don't know how long it's going to be until they find someone to replace her. Oh. <laughs> okay but until that's complete uh she's still in charge that's great i mean she's the first leader that grew up in communist east germany and she said that uh you know she as someone who lived 35 years under a system that denied its citizens freedom the decision to limit these rights during the pandemic was one that i found immensely hard to take did ya did you, Angela? Because it sounds like you're doing a pretty good job of it. And since you were, you know, spent 35 years behind the old wall, you understand how to do it pretty good, don't you? Yeah, you do. So anyway, they had a big going away party for her. And, uh, you know, they get to choose the music, three big songs that gets to be played for your party. Yay. <laughs> so uh, her first choice was Grosser Gott, we're Lobendick. It's a holy God, we praise thy name, which is beautiful. It's a Christian hymn from the 18th century, and it's a, a nod to her upbringing as the daughter of a Protestant pastor and a religious identity of her party, the Christian democratic union her second choice hildgrad gniffs for much souls was rosenbergham 
It Should Rain Red Roses for Me. It's a wistful song about teenage ambition and juvenile arrogance. It already suggests an ironic twinkle in the eye, however. I was supposed to conform and make do, the lyrics go. Oh, I can't conform. I can't make do. I always want to win, too. Man, that makes you want to listen to For Mixels, Roth Rosenregen. <laughs> but it was the last song that had everybody all wound up. It was uh, Nina Hagen's Du hast den Vorwurfwechsel. Uh, you forgot to color the film. <laughs> Which is a, I mean, you want to talk about a hit. That is a punk hit right there, man. Nita Hagen's Du hast den Vorwurfwechsel. Here's a little bit of that song uh, where uh, Nina Hagen is doing it live in 1985, here we go. Oh, Nina looks pretty good. Oh, man. Does that sound great or what? <laughs> I know. I know. Or what? That makes me want to hear the rest of the songs that she chose. So this is uh, Hildegard Kneff's For Minsel's Rotros and Regan. Oh man, a wistful song. Yes. Oh, I can't conform. I can't make do. Man, does that sound good? All right, we got to play the other one. All right, this is Grossergat Win Lobadig. Holy God, we praise thy name. This is a you know popular Christian hymn. <laughs> Hello. Actually, I do feel like I've heard this before. <laughs> yeah, I know I have. Yeah, it's pretty actually. <laughs> uh, I can't make fun of that one. Sorry, but that's those are the three songs she chose. Now I may have you know chosen something else. If it were me, if I were choosing for Angela, I don't know what I would choose for me, but if I were choosing for Angela, you might choose, I don't know, the Imperial Death March. <laughs> Maybe, uh, you know, I don't know if you, if, if you, if you would choose, you know, big band marching band songs like Michigan's Hail to the Victors. Maybe I might do that. Or, you know, if you get back to the real thing that you might choose. Remember the beginning of The Godfather, the first one, where they have the funeral march? <laughs> this is if I was choosing for Angela. You know, maybe you, maybe you play this for just to, you know, kick things off. Go ahead. We, we love you, but get out. Yeah. <laughs> 
born in East Germany. <laughs> in charge of Germany for 16 years. Angela. Get out. Oh no, and then not a gunshot. No, we can't have that. No, no, no. Cut that out. We're not that's not part of the show for Angela. And I don't know what made me think of this, but the Nazis Nuremberg horrors are gonna go up for auction. Uh this week, the end of this week, December seventh through the ninth on an online auction. I don't know if Mercury One is going to be bidding on it. I don't know if Angela is gonna be bidding on any of this either. But it's part of the Maryland based Alexander Historical Auctions. It marks the seventy fifth anniversary of the trial and execution of the top Nazis who aided uh, the big Adolf Hitler's horrific rise to power. Uh, and they've got documents. <laughs> they have they have the uh, the gun that uh, Auschwitz Commandant Rudolf Hess had. That uh, man, I don't know that I want to own that gun. No, thank you. But they're looking to get up to about eighteen thousand dollars for that gun. And then I know, I know they have the list of Nazi figures indicted. At Nuremberg, I guess that's an official document from the Nuremberg trials. They also have a vampire killing kit. I know Mercury One has one of these already. I have seen that. And I I touched it too. Oh, no. But the vampire killing kit is expected to get about five grand. Now, the vampire looks about the same as the one Mercury One has. And I don't know that they're all actual vampire killing kits. But that's what they claim. But I don't know what made me think of that. I don't know why I was thinking about the, you know, the the Nuremberg, the Nuremberg trial auction of stuff as I was talking about, you know, getting rid of Angela Merkel in Germany. It's weird. I don't know why. Oh, and, you know, a quick Royals update. Just a, I know, it's just, I love them so much. So we find out for sure, and I knew this was the case. Remember when they made such a big deal out of what color the baby was going to be from Harry and Meghan? And they made such a big deal about that, that it was such a racist thing. And those were, it was a question that we were all asking at the time. And some of us may have even asked it worse than what's being reported. <laughs> you know, they made it, they blew it way out of proportion. Well, according to this new author who's writing uh, a book, this royal expert, he's writing a book on the uh, on the royals, and his Christopher Anderson is his name, and he is uh, writing a book, uh, The Brothers and Wives Inside the Private Lives of William, Kate, Harry, and Meghan. And it should be, you know, it might be some interesting stuff. But the first thing that comes out is that Harry was too sensitive. No kidding. What he did was casually turn to her like any grandparent would. So uh, Prince Charles made uh, the comment to Camilla on the day of the announcement of the baby that, uh, hey, I wonder what their children will look like, hair color, eye color, complexion. And he did it fondly, but it was taken way out of proportion. I knew it. I knew it. And they're really sick of talking about it, too. They're trying to get past Harry and Meghan. They just had footage of Kate, who's usually pretty pretty tight 
about the way she acts in public. She was at a school and the kids asked her about Harry and Meghan and she kind of rolled her eyes and looked away and then smiled and said, okay, something else and moved on. They are sick of Harry and Meghan and I don't really blame them. And so when you hear that uh, print uh, that uh, William and Kate are coming to the U.S. uh, next year for this big ceremony this earth shot prize ceremony which will be agonizing but uh, they haven't been to the u.s since 2014 and everybody you're gonna stay with harry and megan you're gonna stay with harry and megan you're gonna stay with harry and megan uh no uh first of all harry and megan are not going to invite william and kate to the house uh you'll come and see your nieces and nephew right i mean they're not even megan isn't even letting harry go back to london for christmas to see grandma the first Christmas after Grandpa died, which I is just incredible to me. But uh, they're saying, "Oh no, it's uh, we don't know what could happen." And look, it's just uh, here you go. Okay, it's like so many of these things. It's a lose lose situation. If they get invited, they decline. That looks bad. If they don't get invited, that looks bad. If they do accept an invitation that does come and something goes terribly wrong, what could go wrong? I mean, Kate and Megan in a cat fight out back at uh, Montecito. <laughs> that would be great. Like a cat fight between Kate and Megan, and then Harry and William would have to step in. Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. And you know they have cameras. They've got those ring cameras all around the house. Security cameras, I don't know if they're ring. Whoever sponsors Kate and whoever sponsors uh, Megan and Harry's business has cameras all around the house. That would be awesome. And the paparazzi are going to be crawling through the woods to get pictures at the, the Montecito house. That would be fun. So there's no way that those two... Of those four, actually, along with the kids, are uh, are getting together. Not happening. They may. I I could see maybe a lunch somewhere. Maybe that would be a that would be a press whirlwind. But that's it, man. Couple hours tops. That's it. And don't forget Barbados. I mean, we're just. I wasn't going to mention this, but Prince Charles talked about uh, the Barbados just cut the ties to England. Uh, the Queen severed ties with Queen Elizabeth uh, today. So they have, uh, you know, they have a president now and they're not under the monarchy. And uh, Charles was there to help cut the ties and, you know, stress the importance of international relations. And the Queen remains the head of state for 15 other countries. The last country to cut the Queen off was the state of uh, Mauritius, the island, you know, where, uh, you know, Major League Baseball goes to uh, register names that they're trying to steal. (laughs) But Prince Charles said uh, at the cutting ties ceremony, from the darkest days of our past and the appalling atrocity of slavery, which forever stains our history, people of this island forged their path with extraordinary fortitude. Wait, the atrocity of slavery, which forever stains your history? You mean the United Kingdom has stains of slavery too? I thought it was just the United States that had that problem. Uh, I guess that was just me. Oh, and speaking of uh, Major League Baseball, by the way, just a quick update. Uh, They uh, started their lockout today. First one. Uh, I know. 
I know the owners and the players failed to agree on their collective bargaining agreement. So there's a lockout and there's not going to be any baseball. Now it's off season. So we'll see how long that lasts. Boy, wouldn't it be a shame if there just wasn't baseball this year? Wouldn't it? Opening day for 2022 is slated for March 31st. Ah, they'll come together before then. I think they're not going to want to. I mean, the fans are not going to put up with that. They will walk away in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Because that last big-time lockout that took place in 94-95 that lasted, uh, I don't know, seven or eight months, and they canceled the 94 postseason, uh, baseball hurt for a long time after that. And so if they go any longer than, you know, a month maybe right now during the off season and you know you've got the you got college football, you got the holidays, you got the NFL, nobody you got NBA, although I don't care about the NBA. Uh you know, you have uh you got other things going on. Baseball could kind of go under the wire, but if they miss opening day, forget about it. Have a nice day. And I want to leave you with a, uh, a, a story that has a moral at the end. And I don't know that I agree with the actual moral. <laughs> so as I'm scrolling through the socials, and I, I don't remember which one, uh, Twitter at JeffyJFR, Facebook and Instagram is Jeff Fisher Radio. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Uh, and if you're listening to this show and you're not a subscriber to it, what are you doing with your life? It's available for free on any platform. Please subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. And if you're out listening to the podcast, and uh, this is a rule as a subscriber, I just I, sometimes I got to lay the rules back out again. You, if someone says, "Hey, what are you listening to?" That's the rule is chewing the fat. I don't care what you're listening to. You're obviously going to listen to, you know, all kinds of stuff. I want you to. I appreciate it. But when asked, "What are you listening to?" the answer has to be as a subscriber of Chewing the Fat. You're listening to Chewing the Fat. Hey, what do you listen to? Chewing the Fat. I mean, that's just a rule of subscribership. So anyway, I run across this story, and it's a, it's a cute little story, but the moral, um, when a group of tourists visited a crocodile farm, the owner of the crocodile farm placed, uh, the, the owner launched a daring proposal. Whoever dares to jump swim to shore and survive i will give one million dollars nobody dared to move suddenly a man jumped into the water and desperately swam towards the shore while he was chased by all the crocodiles with great luck he arrived taking the admiration of everyone in the place then the owner announced we have a brave winner After collecting their reward, the couple returned to the hotel upon the arrival. The manager told him he was very brave to jump. And that's when the man said, I didn't jump. Someone pushed me. His wife smiled. The moral, this is where I am. The the moral of the story behind every successful man, there is a woman who pushes him. Eh, Okay, I'll give you the behind every successful man. There's a woman that pushes him. But isn't that attempted murder? (laughs) 
stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.